For almost 40 years, an incredible phenomena has been occurring in a remote village of Bosnia-Herzegovina, which may contain secrets that could change life as we know it. After hearing of a number of miracles from first-hand witnesses, I wonder if this could be a giant wake-up call for humanity. Considering once these secrets are revealed, it could be too late, this just might be worth taking a look into. I'm Shannon Gieselman, and since the day I discovered this place called Medjugorje, I haven't been able to take my mind off of it. Why doesn't everyone know about it? Well, join me as I bring real-life stories of miracles of Medjugorje and why this is a modern-day case for grace. Welcome back to Miracles of Medjugorje, a case for grace. I'm Shannon Gieselman, and with me here today is Jose de Santiago out of Texas. And Jose has written not one, not two, but three different books on his own supernatural experiences, including an incredible and a very intense uh, experience that you had while in Medjugorje yourself. Um, I'm so grateful to have made your acquaintance through Maria, who I interviewed earlier this year. Um, but Jose, I've been reading two of your books and I'm making my way through the third and I just have to ask you, (laughs) wow. I mean, what's it like to be you? It's hard, very difficult. You know, I know, um, early on in that first book that I wrote that a few months into my conversion, you know, I had this interior, um, call of God telling me, do you want to continue on this path? And I was, I was like, I'm all in. And if I, I didn't know what was in store for me, you know, and I look back now, would I have made the same decision knowing what was ahead of me? Um, you know, I want to say yes, but you know, the 2006 version of myself, you know, I was like, it was so fascinating to me and I just wanted to do as much as possible. But like I said, I had no clue what was in store for me. That's since interesting. Then. I've, I've heard how it's interesting. They always ask you, they, this, Mary and, and a lot of mm-hmm. other books I've read, they ask you for permission before going there. It's like you've yeah. willingly volunteered to sign up for this. <laughs> they do get that. Oh, well, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. you Like I tell people, your yes has to be a true yes. That yes can't come with, you know, conditions. And I was at the point, I was like, I'm all in, you know, and I still am to this day. My yes, a solid yes, you know. Well, okay, so getting into Medjugorje and how, how you first heard about it, tell us, what sparked an interest? Well, I mean, since the 80s, um, growing up in the 80s, I remember a news program about Medjugorje. You know, I was going to church, and my parents back in the mid-80s were part of the charismatic movement. They even started a prayer group here in our parish, and so a lot of stuff that was out there my parents knew about. But I remember seeing this program back in the 80s about these six kids seeing the Virgin Mary. And I was like, "Okay, that's cool, you know. And my parents even had a little bottle of holy water that was brought to them from Medjugorje. I think back maybe about 30, 31 years ago. And I remember sneaking into the to the van where my my father had it. And I, you know, put myself, gave some holy water to myself, you know. And so I always knew about it. And so it begins. begins, (laughs) That that could have been the ticket right there for you. could have been. Yeah. So it just basically, it was basically in the back of my mind from that period, but through the nineties and early part of 2000, it was like out of my radar until my conversion back in 06, that it really came back into the forefront in a bit, you know? Yeah. 
I know. I, I remember too vaguely Insider Edition or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. That they would do stories back in the day on those encounters with Mary. Yeah. Statues with oil and all that. Yeah. But I don't remember the six children. I never, and I never remembered hearing the word Medjugorje. So that's interesting. So give us an idea of what your life looked like before you went to Medjugorje. I went to Medjugorje in 2018. So my, this powerful conversion happened in 2006. Everything hit me very hard, quickly and overwhelming. These charisms that have, had no clue what they were. These spiritual gifts had no clue what they were, and they all hit me at once. And, you know, I thank God for my mother who was able to help me because she has some experience with these spiritual gifts. And I was, you know, it was overwhelming. And so that began a journey of like, when I read St. Faustina's diary, that was the beginning. That would change my life. And this desire to pray for souls, to save souls, began at that moment. And, you know, I had no clue how my life you know, would be parallel to St. Faustina's in a way. You know, when I reread her diary a second time after this journey had started, I was so amazed that what she had written had gone through. And so this process from 2006, 2018 was full of prayer, praying for people, receiving from God these incredible missions, that I, as I call them, to be able to be in a front row to God's miracles. And to me, that was an amazing thing to me. You know, it comes at a price because it's very difficult. It's not a smooth journey. You have to endure suffering. You have to endure rejection from priests, from friends. But, you know, God gives you that strength to maintain. And that was my life for 12 years prior to Medjugorje. So am I hearing you that when you're reading the diary of Sister Faustina, that's when you like it's something infused you then the compassion for other souls and wanting to help? I was, I guess, able to understand that God did love me. You know, you don't understand. I told my kids, you know, I teach confirmation. Until you understand the cross, you won't understand what love is. And I didn't understand the cross until I read the words of St. Faustina. I was able to understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the suffering, the pain, and all because of his love for us. And that just turned a switch you know, and I just, it felt like those words I was reading during that time was written specifically for me. Hmm. And it was beautiful. I just couldn't get enough of it. And that turned on this faucet of grace from the Lord. And that was amazing to me. Hmm. So then how did that uh, kind of pivot into going onto a pilgrimage in Medjugorje? Like I said, back in 08, I was when I first had these this miraculous encounters with Our Lady. And that's when I began to um, study a little bit more about Marian apparitions. And I, I came upon YouTube about Mariana and her apparitions. And, you know, I was on the fence about that, even at, during this time. And I would read a lot about it. And I wanted to go back in 2012, uh, because one of the pilgrimage groups that we use for other pilgrimages had one scheduled for Medjugorje. But my sister um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so we weren't able to go in 2012, but it wasn't until 15, 2015, 16, that this desire that just was started to build and it just was unbearable. I had to go. And so it came to pass in 2018. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how is your sister with her 
Oh, oh, she's she's doing well now. Yeah, thank God. She she's doing well. We've been eight years now, cancer free. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you journeyed over there. Uh, was it was the four weeks the second time that you went there? Uh, yeah, 2018 was one week, and then 2019 was three straight weeks. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's 28 days. That's a yeah. lot of time there. <laughs> so it you is. met a lot of many many people and saw many things while you were there. Oh yeah, for sure. Do tell your most intense experiences. I'm sure you have many, but. (laughs) Well, I think the very first intense experience was that first week back in 2018. Um, They had adoration after mass. Adoration that day was between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. And the church was absolutely packed. And people were sitting in between the altar and the first first pew, the front pew. And so we made our way, uh, me and a couple of the uh, pilgrims to the front. And we found a little spot really close to the altar. And I began to pray. You know, it was beautiful. I said, I'm in Medjugorje, you know, uh, church filled with people with the same spirit. And then it wasn't until that night I woke up in the middle of the night crying. Because, you know, during this this empathic charism that I received, I'm like a magnet of people's emotions. So in the middle of the night, I woke up crying. Like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And I could see all these faces of these prayer petitions that were coming out of these people that were there that night. And I felt every single one of them right in the middle of the night. And I was like in between this, you know, the room has two little beds and I was in between them crying. Like I felt everything, I sensed everything, all the pain, all the hurt. And that was my fault for not preparing myself to enter that adoration with a little bit of protection. That was, that was you know, I should have known better. <laughs> Uh, you you know how to do that going into it you knew that you can kind of put that shield on yeah but I just I didn't expect it there I guess maybe that's what it was I didn't really expect it there and I guess I was just like I don't know it was my fault I looking back now you know when I've gone back to adoration I make sure that I'm a little bit prepared you know sometimes I have to walk out because it starts to get to me the more uh, people are there the more it affects me so that's one of the drawbacks. Unless God wants me to be there and everything shut off, then it's a different thing. But mm. typically, it's it's uh, very intense. And that was a very first intense experience. And I was a I was a mess the next day, for mm. the first part of the next day. It wasn't until I received the Eucharist that uh, the next morning at Mass that this pain, all these things that I carried from the night before, left me completely. So. Mm-hmm. So it was more of a sorrowful, the emotional, but not physical pain. Like yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it can be both. But mostly it's like, you know, when you have something that's intense, it's hurting your soul, it's hurting your heart. But multiply that by 300, 400 people. And, you know, and it's overwhelming. And wow. I, was, I was, like I said, I was a mess. I was a mess that night and the next morning. Okay. And you also, I, on a happier note, you also, you got to smell the scent of the roses, the miracle of the roses. I saw that. Yeah, that was on my second, uh, the second week I was there, the following year. And how did that come about? I was, I guess, coming back the second time to Medjugorje, I mean, I had a specific mission to accomplish there. And when I, I, was, I gave a message to a fellow pilgrim, um, and I felt the presence of Our Lady. And so I knew that Our Lady was there speaking to me on top of Apparition Hill. And this fellow pilgrim mentioned about the scent of roses, you know, which I had smelled as well. And that was a sign that Our Lady was there truly speaking to me on top of Apparition Hill. So that was an incredible thing there Mm. to experience that in a holy place like that. This is incredible. Mm. So what other what other miracles did you see? You saw did you see the miracle of the sun? 
No, um, that first week um, we went to Cross Mountain almost the last day, and these couple of other pilgrims were staring up, and the, the group leader mentioned there's what they're experiencing the miracle of the sun. And I looked up, I couldn't see anything. You know, I had to shield my eyes. I can't see anything, but it wasn't meant for me. Isn't that funny? It just blows me away how different people see it. And then the fact that they're even able to pick it up on camera sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I just saw one here the other day on YouTube. The sun was pulsating on camera. It was incredible. Yeah. I would think it'd be hard to recreate that. through. I mean, oh, yeah, no, all the technology, but I've seen some of those videos and it just, it's very authentic. And then you can even hear the people's background, you know, voices in the background going, ooh, ah, oh my gosh. <laughs> but it wasn't for me. I've never, ever seen the miracle of the sun through all these years, but I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. I've experienced other stuff. So, I'm so like, many, I'm, so many. Yeah. Other, um, so what else? What other? Well, I mean, we go back to that first week, I think, up to that point, my most profound spiritual experience was March 18th of 2018 during Mariana's uh, annual apparition. I was so fascinated to be there to experience that because, you know, on my journey, typically there, I didn't ever, I never really encountered people who experienced something that I've never had. And I was about to be in the presence of someone who was about to experience something I never had, a true apparition in that form. So that fascinated me. And so when we were, we got to Apparition Hill near the Blue Cross about five hours before the apparition started. And so it was an incredible, it's like thousands of people praying the rosary in different languages, the music started playing. But as soon as the hour when Mariana was getting close, I sensed the angels. They were like hovering ab above, you know, that apparition hill. It was like, they were kind of like scouting the area. That's what I took it to be. It was like huge angels. I could feel, I can sense them. And then at that moment, like I said, Mariana is getting closer. I think she may have already been there. And I felt as I was lift, being lifted off the ground, I literally had to look down because I literally thought I was being taken up to heaven or something at that point. And I was like, oh, it was like an amazing feeling, you know, to have that happen. And so as, as Mariana was getting closer and she got there, I wanted, no, I, I'm not sure what, was, what I was expecting. Because when people have said, I've sensed a Virgin Mary, it's like, okay, did I sense her too? Did I not? But as the hour came when Mariana reacted to Our Lady, I felt it. And I you know, I see things interiorly at, at times, most of the times. And I could see Our Lady hovering above as Mariana was experiencing her apparition. And I could hear her speaking to Mariana, but I couldn't understand it. You know how you hear a conversation somebody's having on the other, in another room? Yeah. It's muffled. You can hear it, but you couldn't understand it. It was that way. And I didn't understand the language either. So I, I took it. This isn't for me to hear. Okay, Lord, let me use this empathic feeling to feel Mariana right now. Aunty, let me feel what she's feeling. And I felt that ecstasy at that moment. I could feel what she was feeling. And then at the moment Our Lady left, exactly the same time I felt the pain that Mariana describes when Our Lady leaves her because she's in physical pain, obviously, and she's in ecstasy. But I felt that exact moment. So that was my confirmation that what I was feeling was genuine. Mm -hmm. And that was incredible too to feel that. That was an incredible thing to, from the angels to being lifted up and to see Our Lady, hear Our Lady and to feel Mariana. And that way, I was like, wow, I was like beyond blessed to experience that. And I think that experience connected me to her. And if you read that last book, I think that was something that God intended for me to experience. So up to that point, that was the most powerful experience I've ever had spiritually how do you how do you describe the feeling of the ecstasy part it's like a joy that you can't really put into words i mean you would if this is a, a taste of heaven i mean we're going to be like our our human senses will be like 
explode to to really to understand this feeling it's just like this peace that's within your heart that you know any pain any sorrow anything that's affecting you is is gone mm -hmm. because like i said a few days earlier i was experiencing pain from all the pilgrims in the church and now i'm feeling this ecstasy this joy this heavenly joy it was like wow that talking about you know one end of the spectrum to another that was an incredible you know experience like i said that was my most powerful experience up to that point have you felt that since? Yeah, I felt it exactly a year later at the March 18th, 2019 apparition, which I was able to, uh, but this time I heard the conversation in English, which was a little strange to me. I heard the first part of the message. I heard the middle part of the message and our lady spoke to me at the very end. She says, I'm about to depart, go home and continue your work. And I felt her leave. And when I opened my eyes, at that exact moment, Mariana reacted to our lady leaving. Again, that was my confirmation to that our lady was speaking to me and I heard what I heard. Right, and when she said, go home and do your work, continue your work, she, how did you know that it was you, not her, not Mariana? <laughs> how did Mariana, you know was I just knew it because I've, like I said, that was the end of my third week and I've I had a lot of conversations with our lady. So I know obviously, because what I accomplished those previous three weeks was, you know, for her. And so I knew that was uh, of course intended for me. And to see Mariana, like I said, uh, bend over after the apparition and our lady telling me at the exact moment was like, how could I just, it was incredible. That was powerful for me as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that's going to start segueing into, is there any other big miracles? Cause I want to ask you, okay, you're, when you say about continuing your work, <laughs> obviously yeah, well, we're going to talk about what you're doing with that. Well, what I did there, I mean, we'll talk about what I experienced more in Medjugorje was, yeah. you know, that very first night on that second pilgrimage, the very first week of the three weeks I spent there, I just, I guess I, I immediately thought arriving in Medjugorje that things were going to start popping. I'm going to start hearing, I'm going to start giving messages, but nothing happened that first, that first day because we got there in the afternoon. So that night I opened the, the windows and had a perfect view of Apparition Hill. And I asked Our Lady, I mean, I don't feel anything, you know, and I was like, and she spoke to me that night. And I was, those first couple of days, that second pilgrimage were rough. I had to go to confession because the sympathetic side latched on to the negativity, the pain, the selfishness, the curiosity seekers. I was, I latched on to the negative aspect. You know, I was like so ready to go because I prepared myself fully for that pilgrimage. And it didn't happen until after I went to confession and the priest said, Our Lady didn't call you over here you know, for nothing. And so I prayed for my mistakes. I prayed for those pilgrims that I was almost judging in a way by seeing this. And that point, Our Lady was, you know, fully in conversation with me delivering. I would go up to pilgrims and tell them, hey, Our Lady's telling me you're praying for this intention. And they would look at me like, how did you know what I was praying for? And I would tell them their answer. Basically, I would tell them what they were asking. I would give them their answer. And I did that for that first week. Random pilgrims, I would go up. I was like, you know, our human reaction to this is like, really, you want me to go to a complete stranger and say, hey, are you praying for this special intention? You know, and I was like, okay, mother, please help me do this because this is hard. This is difficult. This isn't normal. And all of a sudden I, I would feel myself get up and start walking to that first pilgrim or that was actually the third pilgrim at that point. And I said, excuse me, do you speak English? I said, yes. Are you praying for so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so? They look at me like, how did you know? Well, Our Lady is telling me to tell you this is your answer, so-and-so, so-and-so. And I was able to do that that first week. Did you feel like you were having an out-of-body experience? Like somebody was just taking control of you and making you go over there? Like, how did you know for sure that oh, this yeah. was coming from? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That very, because um, the first two messages were uh, fellow programs from my group. And that third one was a complete stranger. And I, I couldn't believe that I was walking 
up to that person. I was like, wow, the Holy Spirit is totally moving me right now because I just, there's no way I'm doing this on my own. And I you know after that first message was delivered and they confirmed what I received. Okay, that gives you a little bit of relief. Okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not making this stuff up. Oh. And I, exactly, what was interesting is like, I would go on top of Apparition Hill and I would scope the area because at that point there were, there weren't very many pilgrims at that point uh, for that season. I could just hear what they were praying for. And she was telling me, this person to your right is praying for this. That person is praying for that. But I wasn't supposed to go to each, each pilgrim. I was only to the what she pointed me to. Go to that person. Go to this person. And I did that until that part of my work, that mission was over with. And when I went back after that part, I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't hear anything anybody was praying for because I was you, done with that part. After you fulfilled what you were supposed to do. Yeah, that first week. Hmm. Yeah. Fabulous. Wow. Okay. Well, anything else that you, that stands out? How about your rosaries? Did they turn gold or did you have people with you that witnessed that? Or? Uh, no, I mean, not, no, nothing like that. But it was just like that first group, there was only like six, seven people. And so in between that first group and that third group, I was by myself for about a week. And so it was pretty, I didn't have very many conversations. Hmm. So it was just basically like, I wanted to leave. I wanted to go home halfway for the trip. I say, I was like, if I never see this place again, that's, that's fine with me. What? I was it's so what? tired. I was exhausted. Just I was uh, mentally, emotionally spent, just spiritually spent. I was like to be alone and experience what I did that first and second week, especially that second week. The second week was totally different than that first week. And I was like, I want to go home, but I still got, I still got 10 days left. I still got 11 days left. I can't leave. I'm just, it was hard. So it was you, very hard. You don't recommend traveling there for four weeks to the faint of heart. <laughs> well, I mean, I was like specifically called for a reason. Okay. And like I said, I didn't look as myself as a pilgrim that second time around. I was there to do what Our Lady wanted me to do, not to experience, have that pilgrimage experience as a pilgrim, as a true pilgrim. That was my first, my first year. That was that. But this second time wasn't so like do you feel that going there, you were closer to her and she was talking to you more Then why did you have to be there? Because you kind of brought it back home with you now, right? So. Oh yeah, I continue what she wanted me to do. And what I experienced on top of Apparition Hill about going up to people and saying, hey, our lady's telling me, you know, you're praying for this. And I did that here. And I, I did that until this pandemic started because we were gathering weekly rosary at the church. And we'd at the end of the month, the last Sunday of the month, I told them, this is what's going to happen. You come to me, you want me to pray for you? I will tell you what Our Lady is saying. I tell them, and they're like, how did you know I was praying for that? How did you know? Because when I pray for somebody, at times, it's like I'm plugging into you. I'm plugging into your soul. And to have this done with multiple people, you're plugging into like, I see it as books. There's 20 people, there's 20 different books, 20 different stories. And yeah, I get to plug into that by God's grace, by the Holy Spirit. And I hear what Our Lady is saying, and I pass along that message. And it's advice, it's something that they need at that moment. And you said you can invoke her in your book. You said I can, you can invoke her to come to you at any given moment, like whenever you want. It's like, yeah, there was a period where she wanted to be done every day. And that went about like maybe, I can't remember, like 60, 70, 80 times in a row, just to, sh to show me that she had given me this grace. She had told me what you have, what you have received is a rare grace to call upon me whenever you have. I'd say, she said this multiple times to me. I made you a promise. 
all you have to do is call upon me and invoke me. But I just like, I'm not going into the store and invoking her presence. I feel something when I need to do that. Obviously, I do that every Sunday, the weekly rosary that we do now. And I do that on my own during the week as well. I, I'm not I'm not like, hey, guess what I can do? It's not something like that. Right, right, right. That is so amazing because here we have the visionaries that we watch on such a routine, like every day at mm-hmm. 540 p.m. And they, they would go and they pray and then and they, the flashes of light. Do you get the three yeah. flashes of light before she comes? You get that? No. No, 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 um, no, I don't. Just, I just know I stop praying and then everything starts like peeling off of me, all the outside noise. And then I can usually hear, sometimes it's my angel saying, she's here, the Blessed Mother is here. And then I know she's here and then I'm, I test it to make sure, if this is from you, Lady uh, Blessed Mother, I say, say praise be to Jesus. And if she says that, then I know it's her. Wow. And if it's not, because I've had some false, some false vision, it being not of God. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've had that before. And so, it like, was tricking you? It was trying to trick you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she would tell me afterwards, yes, you know, that it was an evil one trying to disguise himself as me. And so I have to be aware of that. And how about, I have been given like that sense, that discernment to know if it's of God or not of God. And that's something that I'm very thankful for that I received that because when this first started back in 08, um, I was reading a lot about apparitions, about false apparitions, hoaxes and, all, and such. Uh-huh. And so I was very careful that that wasn't me, that I'll be falling for something that wasn't of God, or I was tricking myself, or I was making myself hear something. But I was able, given that grace to discern that and given proof at multiple times that it was Our Lady speaking. I love that you said that you ask her, say praise be to Jesus, because I was just reading this the other day and I, I wrote it down. It's like in scripture, how to determine if it is from God or if it's from something demonic. But it's, it says that the devil cannot give praise or recognition to Yeah, God. you're right. Exactly. Even since Saint Teresa of Avila, when I read a long time ago, she says it can be either God, the devil, or your imagination. And so I got that very early on before I understood all this stuff. And so I, I understand how it possible is. it is. Uh-huh. Testing spirits. I literally just read this like yesterday or today. Okay, First John 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is, it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Wow, yeah. There yeah. you go. Because every time she came for the first, I don't know if she does now, but I know that for the first year, they they said every single time she comes, she says, praise be to Jesus. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, like I said, I picked that up a long time ago. And so I put that into every time I, when I invoke her to do that. I mean, there's been times when I've tried to do that where, I was just doing it because I felt bad or something and she didn't come because that was my own deal. It was the Holy Spirit prompts me to do it, you know, and I think it's on my own, but it's it's something that that uh, it's been happening at a regular basis since, since I've come back from Medjugorje in 2018. It's been constant. Okay, but it's not, it's it's when you feel it, it could be totally a random time, not like a special hour of the day, right? No, no, I used to typically do it at night on my own, and then on Sundays during our weekly rosary that's live streamed now on Facebook since the pandemic, but I've been doing this part on Sunday nights for the last couple of years now. You have a group we can join if we want to do that yes yeah we were doing it at the church but then since the pandemic started i said let's live stream this and i invited some pilgrims from my previous groups and so every sunday night that we gather and we pray and i tell you what our lady is saying how do we find this 
It's called the Queen of Peace Rosary Group. Uh-huh. And you'll see a picture of Apparition Hill. Yeah, Apparition Hill on top. And it's a private group, but you can just click on the join button and I will approve you. Is it on Facebook? Yes. Okay. The Queen of Peace Rosary Group. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. you know, to be able to share Our Lady's messages weekly, it's a blessing because that was part of my work to do as well. Okay. And so while you're on this prayer group on Sunday, you're invoking Our Lady. Do you come out sporadically with messages for people right there on the spot sometimes? Or is this just... When, when this first started back in 2008, 2009, she would always come around the second mystery. The second mystery was always the second mystery. She would always come. And then so when I do it now, she, she comes again in the second mystery and I give you the message between the second and the third. I tell the prayer group to, we're going to take a pause here. Let Our Lady speak to your heart. And then I'm receiving at that point. And then I get up and I speak and I say, Our Lady is saying this, this and this. Okay, let us continue the rosary and meditate on what she had just said. You know, there's been once, I think I mentioned it, I spoke after the rosary, even though she spoke during the rosary. But typically, most times I get up in between that little break between the second and third and I I pass along what Our Lady is saying. And her messages, are they like similar to what's happening in Medjugorje? Like just reminding us that she wants us to pray and fast and um, turn to God and be loved. Oh, yeah. 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 Consecrate our families to Immaculate Heart, Mm -hmm. to turn to Jesus. And, you know, and um, yeah, it's pretty similar. I mean, you read that part of my book, how my confirmation, what I was receiving was being confirmed with these messages of Medjugorje through through the visionaries, which freaked me out. (laughs) <laughs> you, would, you would get the message and then they would repeat almost verbatim the same message yeah at times it would be like a lot of the messages word by word and it was like why is this happening what is this what does this mean you know did that when i felt mariana that first year did that start this this new path this new charism that i received and i would tell people look because I, I write everything down in my notes on my phone and so look look what i said here look what came out today in medjugorje look at the same look and sometimes it wouldn't be that it would be like i would get up after the rosary and i would speak and the message that following week would be exactly what I got up and told the people there at the church. And it was like, wow, it's like, she's like, we're in sync with her. You have, was, witnesses. like you have, not just in your journal, but you have witnesses that you've told. And then oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, look, so look at the date of this note. Look what she said to me so-and-so days ago. Look what came out today. Look, 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 look. And so they could testify the, for you, so to speak. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, wow. that happened for the first time it happened was July of 2018. When I, a couple months coming back and like I said, I never thought I was going to go back that quick. But she told me I have work for you to do there. I was like, okay. So now I know you're talking about possibly going back in the fall. Why would you even go back there? I mean, you're getting your own piece of action here, so to speak. So it's like, what would draw you to go back there? What's what's transpired since that last book? We had a mini reunion last July, right? I was like, that's it. I'm not going back. I'm done with Medjugorje, right? I'm doing my work here. But my friend who I met during that last pilgrimage group, she said, uh, you can go as a spiritual guide to others. And that lit a fire because I was looking at it selfishly. I don't want to go anymore. Look what I experienced last time. But now if I'm there to help somebody else, oh yeah, let me do that. Let me be there, not as a pilgrim, but be there as a, a spiritual guide, so to speak. And then- Because you have a, a captive audience. The audience that is, that's going to Medjugorje has an open mind and heart to receive. Oh yeah. Whereas opposed here, you might just be falling on death. You know, what Our Lady tells me is like a lot of people want an answer. They want to hear my voice, but they aren't given that charism. And I want you to be my voice. As she tells me, I want you to be my voice. I want you to be my voice. 
And so, because when I went to Lourdes the very first time in 2008, I was already, had just begun receiving these locutions. And then I would see these people praying at the grotto and I felt sorry. I felt like not embarrassed for myself. I felt guilty. You know, why do I get this? And these people are praying so solemnly on their knees, their heads down. They want to hear something. Here I am hearing this. Who am I? Why did I get this? And they can't hear it. And that was my, my thoughts when I went to Lourdes. But now, it's a grace to, re- to have received this, to be able to help other people. Because put yourself in, like, you're praying for something, and then somebody comes up to you and tells you the answer of your prayers. Mm-hmm. How would you feel? Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, and that's what our lady wants. She wants to help everybody. She wants to talk to everybody. And I guess this is my mission, part of my mission, is to do that. Oh, Not to well. everybody, but to whom, you know. What, why do you think, why do you think that it is that she appears and is able to get through to other people and not most of us? Why, why is, what's the difference? I, see, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like St. Teresa of Avila would say that everybody has that grace to receive the supernatural. But for one reason or another, we don't have that, you know, present because of sin, because of having our hearts and our minds filled with noise of the world. We can't hear because of our own doing and so- to clear that out. You know, it's so I'm like her microphone, so to speak. And but if, so, would you say that if someone really, truly, with every depth of their being, wanted to hear and be what have what you have, is there a textbook instruction manual to do that? <laughs> well, I, I think I mean, I, I, it's not for everyone because everybody has different charisms, different gifts to do. But to receive something supernaturally, I think is very possible. And I think I learned that through the, the charismatic prayer group that we had, and to be able to gather people who are not familiar with this. I was given the grace to be able to pray with a group of people who have no experience with this and they're able to feel something, to feel the presence of Our Lady. I, I did this a while back when this first started. I did that with uh, the youth specifically and they would come up to me, they would cry because <laughs> I would tell them I tap into their souls. Not, you know, when they receive something like that, they know that God is present. God is not someone who's distant to 2,000 years ago. He's present and he gives me that grace to be that instrument of his, you know? I mean, how would you be, like I said, how would you be impacted if you're a youth and you're praying, you never hear anything, all of a sudden this person comes up to you and tells you exactly what you're praying for, what you're feeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you know, emotions come out because they get in touch with that supernatural through whatever grace God has given me to do, to carry that out. That's amazing. Um, so when you hear Our Lady, it's through interlocution, um, which I don't know if you could describe that for our audience. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that. But you hear it internally as opposed to seeing like visually. Yeah, it's uh, um, when I first heard it, I was receiving these interior inspirations to pass along messages from God to the prayer group. I would do that. And I was like, I want, I was a little selfish. I want a message for myself rather than I felt the inspiration to go to the church because I was about to receive something. I knew I was about to receive something. And I think I prayed the rosary, but I heard the, ver- the words audibly for the first time. Be faithful. Be faithful. I said, oh, wow, I received a message. And I thought, oh, wow, I just heard a voice. It was audible. It was an audible voice. So the subsequent locutions were interiorly. Sometimes I hear it like somebody's speaking in my head. Sometimes I feel like speaking in my heart. Then there's times where everything is shut off and it's just me and Our Lady. And what Ter- Teresa of Avila explains it as interior, not uh, intellectual visions. We see Our Lady with the, soul, with the eyes of our soul. So she's appeared to me in different forms, or different titles, Fatima, Lourdes, Guadalupe, titles I never even knew existed until I looked them up. When you say that she appears with a sight, she goes, she says, I am Our Lady of Fatima. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I recognize it. And there's been times like I had to look it up 
say, Our Lady appeared with this type of dress. What is this? And I would stumble upon an image. Oh, this is Our Lady of Pontmaine. She appeared in the 1800s. Oh, wow. I never knew that, but she appeared to me this way. And that happened multiple times that she would appear to me in something in a title that I never knew existed until I looked it up, looked at images. Oh, that's why I saw Our Lady. Oh, this is Our Lady of so-and-so. Are you saying yeah. that you actually saw her in the dress? Or are you saying you just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like when I pray and my eyes are closed and a different world opens up. It's like the spiritual, the supernatural, that veil that separates us in heaven is lifted in, in prayer and it's another world to me. And that's why that early days, everything was dark. The bad spirits, the evilness, the infestations of houses. Things. I would see all that. I would see with my eyes open. I would see the darkness of my eyes open. Shadows yeah. full on, like, you know, that was... Um, so they call them like, intellectual visions because they say the only really... Are you familiar with Our Lady of Knox? She appeared in Ireland yes. in 1800. Yes. Everybody who was there saw her with their physical eyes. And they call that a, a theophany, I believe, which people can see them. But like in Bernadette, in Lourdes, Fatima, the visionary is the only one who saw Our Lady. So I heard a priest say that this falls under intellectual visions because nobody else sees her, only the visionary. And Knock, everybody saw her. And Lourdes was only Bernadette. And so I'm not quite sure where Medjugorje falls in because nobody sees her, you know, with their eyes open. Like I see her with my eyes closed. Uh, there's been times where I saw outlines, no, figures of Our Lady with her voice with her eyes open. But I understand that right now it's interiorly that I see everything mm -hmm. for now, I guess. <laughs> Why do you think, I mean, obviously God is God and he has the power to send his mother to us and have everyone see her if he wanted to. But of course, then that would take away the need for faith. So do you think yeah. is that part why? I mean, because everyone could see her if they wanted to. I mean, but you think oh, that yeah. he wanted to save us all. They just send a, a vision of, of him or his mother. And so everyone would see and then everyone would know. Well, it's it's a it's all about faith though i mean it's like go back to saint thomas would say you know blessed are those who believe without seeing and one of my last things that our lady told me that last week of being a medjugorius is now work on your faith she told me you get to hear me you get to see me and so you don't rely on your faith too much so work on your faith and humility of course <laughs> she that's those two things i had to work on that last week my humility and you no know, in my faith so how, and i did that how do you do that when you see her like does she stop appearing because that's kind of what she says to mariana when she says now it's up to you to live like everyone else and you have to rely on your faith I'm gonna leave well know? that last week aside from that uh, annual apparition it was I was just in prayer I didn't really receive a lot in terms of what I did the first two weeks I did I so it was just an interior prayer going adoration and just praying for like humility you know because I've had people comment I was, oh Jose you sound prideful I said that was my intent I can't I get excited when I speak at times you know and it comes off I, you know, I don't know how it comes off to people only when people come, you know, had commented, oh, you, when he first spoke, you sounded like you were very prideful. And I was like, that wasn't my intent. I was just excited to yeah. share my testimony. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's just working. I know it's a grace. I understand that there's a responsibility on my part because I have to do my part in going to confession, going to mass, praying. I just can't. If I do my part, Our Lady and Our Lord would do their part. But I have to be faithful mine. And I take yeah. that really serious, you know. Beautiful, yeah. Um, I want to ask you because you get a lot of... Uh, knowledge through your dreams and mm -hmm. I mean, we've all had dreams and they can be pretty far out there so i want to know how what processes do you put yourself through to understand if it, a dream is just your wild imagination or if it really is something prophetic well, I mean, like in that first book, I go into the very first prophetic because before my uh, conversion, I would have dreams that came to pass. I think a lot of people have that, right? You know, I had dreamt of this and it came to pass. But when my conversion started, 
I had exact details of things in the dreams that would come to pass in real life and it freaked me out. And I, I kept a journal uh, for the first five years. And so I started writing down my dreams and I figured like 20% of my dreams were coming to pass. Some, you know, some places I've never visited, people I've never even met, I would dream about and I would see them. And I had my proof, of course. I would show people, uh, look, look what I wrote on this date. Look what happened today. God was already showing me this, you know? And then I made a mistake early on by thinking everything I dreamt was real, was going to come to pass. And I kind of tried to push it into existence, which was a big mistake on my part. Mm. But I was, you know, I was learning. But I know now certain things are of God and not of God. And I still write some of the dreams, what I feel are like important. But I think that was um, in the early part of my journey that was just showing me that God was communicating with me through dreams. And I had my proof. Like I said, when people said, oh, yeah, I dreamt this. Came no, look, I have proof. What happened today? Oh, yeah. Look what I wrote so-and-so days ago. And they would read it and they were like, oh, okay. That's amazing. So it's like discernment. Discernment is very important. That is very important gift to, to have is discernment on everything. Because like I said, it's easily to get fooled. Because I've, I've met people who I've been mistakenly, you know, given things and thinking it's of God. And on my end, I'm like, uh, it's not really from God. You need more discernment. But they, they're wanting this experience so bad that they conjure it up or convince themselves it's of God. And it's not. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about how your life is different in that you feel like you've been called to help people hear Our Lady, the answers to their prayers or guidance, maybe. What is it you told me about how you feel an, a need to help heal, like put hands on people? You think you have an ability to do that? Well, it's like, it goes back to the dreams. I would have dreams about laying hands and praying for healing. And I've told my mom, like I said, her and my father had that prayer group. And she told me one day while they were praying for a lady, she called me over to help pray for her. That's when that began that I knew that God was calling me that. I, one of my fears is like, I hope I don't sound like I'm bragging. I want to give all the glory to God, you know, but there was a lady who was using a, a walker and after, you know, was given a pray for her. She didn't use that walker anymore. Yeah. It was a young man who needed wrist surgery. Pray for him. No surgery. No surgery needed. Just like one and, prayer over him and... Yeah, yeah. And I know that's what God is calling me to. I think in that second book, it touches about uh, a little bit about me approaching the priest telling him we need to have healing masses because God is calling me to do this. And he was uh, a little hesitant because people, irregular Catholic, they don't know how to react to something like that. Maybe a priest would come in, yeah, but to have a lay person go up there and say, hey, let's pray for healing. I told him we need to do this every month because people need it. And I know I'm you know, called to do that, but he allowed me to pray vocally, but not laying hands once a month. But that wasn't what God was calling me to. So that didn't last very long. Um, but I feel that that's still in the future, even though I've had multiple cases throughout the years of people receiving healing by... I think the word would get doctors. out pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, I think that's just one part of it that we, you know, like in Medjugorje, I think in that third book I wrote, there was a couple of people that were being carried up to Apparition Hill. And I felt this urge to go over there and pray for them. But that wouldn't have been appropriate because they had uh, people, you know, carrying these people on the platform. I, would, I couldn't go with this. Excuse me. Let me pray for your healing right now. I just stood back at a distance and I prayed, but I know that's something that God has called me to. And I think that will come to pass the way he wants it to, not am I doing? Because it was up to me. I'd be out there right now, you know, oh, wow. but it's not up to me. How do you, uh, have you had people that you prayed over? Do they feel like the energy, the warm heat that you often hear people feel when they're being healed? Yeah. They had people who were like, hey, you understand the, have you heard the term slain in the spirit? Yes. Yeah. And I've had people during a prayer group, you pray for them and you feel this electricity running down or running down my arm 
And when I reached to my, to my hands, they would fall over. Then I would ask them as well, do you feel that? Do you feel what I'm feeling? And, you know, sometimes you get a yes, I'm feeling that. But it was, you know, I've had that. People experience that energy, that electricity, you know, and they're physically react to it by, by falling over, you know. Yes, the physical sensation. That's just so amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, that is so packed with information. And <laughs> with all this feeling that you get, like when you are receiving people's messages and feelings, how do you... Is there a way for you to turn it off? You just ask God, I, I can't take it right now. I need rest. Can you just shut it down? Well, I mean, there's periods where it becomes so overwhelming where I've had to go to the chapel and just get on my knees like, this is too much. But he gives me a break, maybe a day, and maybe a couple of days here and there, and I'm at peace. But I know that it's not over. The only extended break I've ever had were two periods when I got, when I got put on insulin, being diabetic. I was out for two weeks. I was like, they said, you're going to feel horrible. You're going to feel the worst you've ever felt for those two weeks until the insulin gets in your system properly to regulate your blood sugar. I, was, I just left for those two weeks. And then when my brother passed away, my oldest brother passed away in 2016, there was a period where everything was pretty much uh, shut down. Occasional couple things came in, but after that period, <laughs> it got turned back on in an extreme fashion, which it uh, overwhelmed me again because I felt it was coming on. And then it was a holy Thursday, 2017. It was turned on again. I was like, oh my goodness. I had to sit back at the church because I felt every single soul in that, in that church. I always look at the person in front of me and I could tell you what that person had on their soul that night. And that was like overwhelming. It was too much because it just got, it came back on. What's today like for you? Like, like an average day, you go to the grocery store, you go like, is it coming well, after? It, in the beginning, in the beginning, I couldn't go. I didn't want to go to the store. I didn't want to go to the restaurants because all I could feel was people. I could hear them. I could hear their souls. I could feel their souls. If you had something wrong with you, I'd feel it. And I didn't want to be around people. I would avoid my family. And then it got to the point where you get control, where God gives you control. But then sometimes when you receive something, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't control it anymore. I feel everything thing and everyone but now only when god really wants something to be shown to me i feel it or i genuinely want to feel something then i feel it but i don't do it now it's just like almost walking around not numb in a way but a little bit like that numbing my senses so i can function because i won't be able to function had it been like the early days it was no way and i think maybe that's one of the reasons i got myself sick because of the stress everything i was carrying i wanted to feel everything. right yeah so tell us about so you've had diabetes since how old mm -hmm. uh 10 years ago for 10 years. And of course you prayed for your own personal healing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that? Like you can't, it's not for you. Your healing isn't for yourself, obviously. I, I think it's coming, but our, what our lady said, let God's plan unfold. I think I touch on the third book a little bit. I can't really get into, into it right now, but I think there's a priest that's involved in this. It's like, we only see a little bit of the plan. God's plan is so intricate. We don't see all the other details, mm -hmm. but I think there's a, a priest that's going to be involved in this. And I know who he is. And because uh, I dreamt him before I even saw who he was. And he's going to be involved in helping you be healed from diabetes? I think so in one way or another, because he has a gift of healing, which I didn't know at the time. So I think there's something to do with that. And perhaps some messages I need to be given to people who are close to him, which I touch on a little bit in the book. <laughs> are you in process of writing another book? I, I, you know, I thought maybe, you know, because that trip to Medjugorje was canceled this past March because of the pandemic. I thought maybe after I had to come back from that, that I'd start writing again. But I think it's still a little bit of waste for me to start writing. I have some topics I want to talk about, but not, not yet. It really depends on what God wants. Like I said, it, that first book was inspired to be written and the second two as well. But like I said, right now I don't feel it. I kind of sense it way in the back, but not, not quite yet. Mm -hmm. So I will definitely provide links in the show notes for your books. I appreciate uh, that. Have, 
My Life in the Supernatural, A Story of Divine Mercy. That was your first one, right? Yes. Was this the second one? My Life in Supernatural, A Story of Divine Mercy, too. Yeah, the second one. Yeah. And then a special book just on Medjugorje. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All Medjugorje, yeah. So I'll, I'll put links in there. So what prompted you? Because this is no simple undertaking to write a book. Obviously. You know, because I said, uh, I think giving testimony to God's mercy is very important to people, especially nowadays. And to, to like I said, after the rejection in the beginning, I was hesitant to give testimony because you get comments, you're crazy, or this, you're that, I don't believe you. And then you kind of, when especially being freshly converted, that was very hurtful. Like I said, in that first book, I even wrote that a priest told me I had evil spirits within me. And how do you, how do you react to that when you're struggling with your spiritual life, receiving all these things, and he tells you, you have bad spirits within you, you know, that wasn't something I needed. So that's why I tended to shy away, you know, because of what it transpired, especially 10 years ago. And then, you know, I would give testimony, you know, to other people, it, it started back up again. And I felt this inspiration this one day, you need to put this in a book form. And I did it and it came together very quickly. You know, it was pretty easy to, to remember everything because like I said, I journaled the first five years. When I would think about the things I received, I almost relived it, especially when my, I wrote about my brother's passing. That was awful hard to write because I was like, it took me back to that time, but I had to write about it. And I took a break from writing after I had written those chapters about him because mm -hmm. it was very difficult. But I think testimony Testimony is it's a part of all our missions to do because we have to give testimony to God's goodness, especially His divine mercy. And to me, that's important, you know, because I started my journey, divine mercy, not to be given as much as I have been given in that form. People need to know that God is merciful. Yeah, I commend you so much for coming on here and sharing all your story. And that I know it's not easy. I've ran into a couple of snags of people who had cold feet. So I understand that. I understand that. Well, I want to ask you one last thing. If you could just convey a message to everyone, just personally, like if you have a message, obviously you're very in touch with our blessed mother and if maybe you she has a message through you that she wants to convey on here we'd love to hear from you i think i heard a priest say one time if you had any advice would you just said to anybody what would you say i would tell them pray the rosary because our lady wants us to pray the rosary and a priest another priest have said in the rosary takes 15 minutes a day you know 15 minutes how many 15 minutes do you waste during a day you could pray a rosary that's what we all need to do because our lady calls us to pray the rosary for peace for our families for ourselves and that's what I would tell people. Pray the rosary. How many times a day do you pray it? Um, three. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When I was heading into uh, Medjugorje pilgrimage last year, I was wearing four because that fourth one was for the mission. And I couldn't stop. When I first, when I came back that first year, I had to stop myself because I was praying. I think it was like five a day. I need to stop because this is too much. I was, I couldn't pray enough. And then I maintained that. And I'm down to three because I pray for my intentions. But uh, Gosh, that's so committed. Do you pray it with your family or? Only on Sundays with the weekly rosary that we do. Yeah, I can't wait to join you on that. That's going to be interesting. Okay. And also, well, okay, P a final P.S. What would you say? What's the one thing that you would say to someone who, who is very skeptical about Medjugorje and all of that it is? I think that person needs to experience it firsthand, you know, or even read my heart will triumph, Mariana's book, because that what convinced me. All doubts were removed. Hearing the words of somebody who's experienced it. And as again, I go back to the testimony. That's what testimony is so important. I think the graces that I have received through Medjugorje, it can be very powerful to somebody who doesn't believe. And I think that's very important is all the negativity that I read heading into Medjugorje for people who've never been there. Right. I know. And you, I saw that you were very skeptical at some point. You saw um, some written opponents, opponents from the whole thing. And so that kind of got, crept something into your head probably. 
And Oh yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Because like I said, it was conflicting what I was receiving, but Our Lady was showing me Medjugorje 12 years ago and I didn't know it. I didn't recognize it. But mm-hmm. now looking back, I said, wow, she was showing Medjugorje every detail about it, which was fascinating. Oh, I did want to ask you another question. <laughs> this is something that I have been really... I contemplate about and it's that we are coming upon not only the 39th anniversary in a few days here in three days it's going to be the yeah. 39th anniversary of our lady appearing in Medjugorje this is so exciting. <laughs> but more than that is I mean you got to say whoa what about the 40th year I mean we all know that 40 is a big number so oh, yeah. what are you feeling what are you feeling in your soul about that well I you know what I received in the beginning of January that we were starting something new she didn't say it was good or bad And I knew that so soon after Mariana's monthly apparition stopped. And I think if you look at other apparitions and prophecies from Spain, Garabandal, it talks about going through a pandemic. Then after the pandemic, something else was coming. And you look what's happening now after the pandemic. Are we falling in line with that? Now with Mariana stopping, the 40th anniversary happening next year. And they say these warnings that Mariana said, uh, received that they're going to happen in her lifetime. And she's 55 years old. And look at the world now. And heading to the 40th, like we're heading to this climax of this this point, like everything is going to start happening. And I do believe that soon that something would happen. But again, God only knows those things. We receive bits and pieces of the, of the puzzle, but only God knows the full picture. But I think 40 is important. Absolutely. Wow. That's so amazing. I could talk to you all day about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, I hope to maybe have you back on. We'll cover oh, another topic. Am I going to be able to go to Medjugorje with you in September? I'm still trying to decide. I know I emailed Carlos and he said there's space available, but I think with the coronavirus spiking again, I'm not quite sure how we were, you know, if they're going to let us go over there or even come back. You know what? I'm willing to, I'm willing to go there and I'll put myself in 14 day self quarantine. (laughs) Put me in some barracks somewhere, but I would do that. (laughs) Can you imagine being denied twice? (laughs) Oh yeah. No, but it's, it'll work out exactly how our lady wants it to work out for you or for myself or anybody who wants to, who truly feels that calling to go. So when you go, it's going to be the exact time that you need to go. All things in perfect timing. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's been such a joy to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank uh, you for having me. I really appreciate you, you know, considering me for this. Oh, yes. The honor is mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're, you're in my prayers, by the way. I started praying for you now. So you're in my prayers. You. And, I, and I got something for you after this to tell you, but... I don't want to tell you now. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And no, thank you. And also, I, while I have you here, I'll just go ahead and say, if you, and you too, Jose, if you know of anyone who has a story about Medjugorje that's mm-hmm. been there and has been, you know, converted or has mm-hmm. a great story to tell, I would love to have them also on the show. Okay. So spread the word. Um, I will. I will. I think every testimony makes a difference. Yes, you're right. Definitely. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless. After getting off the phone with Jose, he had a message to convey to me that he said Our Lady wanted to tell me. Much to my excitement, I was thrilled to hear that Our Lady loved the work that I'm doing on this show and that she thinks it's just great. However, constructive criticism, right? Every mother must have a but. And she had to say this, and I knew it deep in my soul that it was coming, but to hear it come from Our Lady through Jose was amazing. She said that she would like me to incorporate prayer into my podcast. In fact, Jose and I went on to chat for another hour after our interview. And while we were talking, all of a sudden, his Alexa chimed in out of the blue without even mentioning her name. She chimes in and says something like, I don't know, there's a website for that. It's time to pray. And then we were like, what was that? 
all of a sudden, it said it three times, repeated itself three times. There's a website for that. It's time to pray. And we were just flabbergasted. So finally, I just put my hands together and I said, okay, it's time to pray. Let's pray. And so we put together prayer and I have concluded that our Blessed Mother is going to send a message in more ways than one when she wants something done. But I can do this. I can do a, a premeditated prayer that I can share with you. And I do have something that I would like to do. With that in mind, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you give us the wisdom to understand the messages that you're sending us through our Blessed Mother and that you give us the grace to embrace them and to implement them into our daily lives. And also, Father, we ask that you give us the faith that Our Lady's messages will help bring more souls back to you. Mm -hmm.